The Fabulous 413 podcast is funded by Northeast Solar, helping customers make the switch to solar for savings, energy security, and tax incentives. Learn more at northeast-solar.com. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, we'll talk to the folks from CESA about Climate Change and Farming Week, which begins this weekend. And up next, Congressman McGovern on climate change's impact on the city of Lemonster in his district and on all the drama surrounding the Hunter Biden things. But right now, it's Live Music Thursday. Because Friday, when we usually do live music, is too small to contain the rock. And joining us, originally from Essex, England, a band whose 1982 hit is among the top 500 songs ever played on radio in the United States. The group received a Lifetime Achievement Award at the BMI Awards, celebrating three million plays of this particular song. Seven. Seven Seven. Seven million? Wow, yeah, don't round it down there. I don't know where I got that bad information. Seven. Corrected. Corrected. Seven million plays. And they're playing Hawks and Reed in Greenfield this Saturday. We're going to hear new stuff from them and that aforementioned seven million played song coming up in just a little bit. Well, welcome to the fabulous 413 Modern English. Thank you very much. We're going to start with a track from uh, an up and coming album called 1234. This is called Crazy Lovers. I'm the kind of guy that counts the stars I'm the kind of person that won't go far I'm always listening to sound It all goes round and round You crazy lovers, you step above us I still don't know what time it is I still don't know what day it is Crazy lovers, you step above us Still don't know what time it is I still don't know what day it is to sound It all goes round and round I'm the kind of guy that can't be found I'm always listening to sound It all goes round and round It all goes round and round You crazy lovers, you step above us I still don't know what time it is I still don't know what day it is You crazy lovers, you step above us I still don't know what time it is I still don't know what day it is Then we listen to sound It all goes round and round and round and round Lovers, you step above us. I still don't know what time it is. I still don't know what day it is. You crazy lovers, you step above us. Still don't know what time it is. I still don't know what day it is. Then we listen to sound. 
fiddle goes round and round and round. Crazy lovers. Crazy lovers. It goes round and round and round. Crazy lovers. It goes round and round and round. Crazy lovers. Count the stars. Woo! Modern English. Here on the fabulous 413 on NEPM, they're playing at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield on Saturday night. Robbie Gray, Mick Conroy, Gabriel Sullivan, and Rick Chandler. New music from their forthcoming album that'll be out early 2024. That's right. One, two, three, four. Absolutely. <laughs> What's so you've formed, disbanded, and reformed over the years, and your music has changed along with that, but what are some of the things that you think are really intrinsic to your style that you managed to maintain over these past 40-ish years? Cool, that's a question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you still call it New Wave when it happened, you know, uh, they call it post. 40, they call it's it post punk. Post punk now, yeah. yeah. But it's still it's still like more new wave than po- anyway. Those definitions are all over the That's place. That's all about the haircuts. That's <laughs> 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 not about the music. Yeah. And, and what color hair you have on any yeah. given right. week. You Fair. you all still have most of your hair, so that yeah. is Thank that's one thing more than I can You're say for Monty me. On that. Yeah, definitely. I lost <laughs> mine in the nineties. Um, you're playing Hawks and Reed in Greenfield. When you think of this part of the world, being from Essex, England, what do you think of when you think of Western Massachusetts, where our show covers? Lots of English names. That's true. <laughs> and Irish names. Northampton. And Welsh names. Northampton, yes. yes. Yeah. I'm sure there's a culture. There's a culture strip here, here as well, which is where we originate from. Uh-huh. Essex. Yeah. There is a culture. We've driven through it. Yep. I want to give you, in the next segment, a quiz of modern English slang. And you, I want you to know what we, what we say, what it means when we say it and see if you know. But do you know right. Essex, Massachusetts? Which is, no. It's the home of a very famous delicacy in New England, the birthplace of the fried clam. So have you had a fried clam, modern English, from Essex, England? Not that I know about. You need to get some. Yeah. I can shamelessly plug a great place for you to check out since you're in the area. But uh, yeah. I'll do that off the air because this is public radio. We're not to <laughs> you can hit it when you when you hit your Boston date. Since yeah, it's yeah. On, we're on the wrong oh, yeah. side of the state. Plenty of Boston clam that. shacks too, though. Yeah, and you'll yes. be playing in Boston on Sunday as well as the uh, Space Ballroom in Hamden, Connecticut, uh, tomorrow night. But Hawks and Reed in Greenfield in the four one three on Saturday. Uh, I mean, I have more process questions <laughs> because that's... let's ask another one before we hear another song. <laughs> yeah, um, another one. Uh, so this new album coming out in, in next year. What's your favorite thing about it? Uh, the fact it's recorded pretty live. It's like a live, we've decided to do more of a live recording with the whole band playing together. Uh, makes a big difference to the sound. We left all the doors open, the different instruments that all bled through the mics like yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in there. the newsroom earlier yeah. when you guys were uh, sound checking, it was fun to have to yeah. watch you know, people preparing the news for NEPM, but also hear the music of modern English while <laughs> they were doing it. Wait a minute, we recognize that. Why do we recognize <laughs> Yeah. That's not usually the music that's playing around here. <laughs> well, shall we hear something else? from? Is this from the new album as well? Yeah, this is the single, the first single that came out about two or three days ago. And this is the first time you played it in this kind of configuration, right? Yeah. Kind of a stripped-down, tiny desk style. Yeah, with a, with, a, with, a, with a kind of towel on the drums. Yeah. And Mick playing the acoustic instead of the bass. Yeah, it's definitely going to be different. I love it. This is called Long in the Tooth. One, two, three, four. 
answers to all of the questions it's taken a lifetime I'm long in the tooth it's taken a lifetime taken a lifetime taken a lifetime I'm long in the tooth and now everything's aching and occasionally breaking I can't see out my window I'm long in the tooth It's taken a lifetime Taken a lifetime Taken a lifetime I'm long in the tooth I know something It might be nothing I know something that you don't know I know something It might be nothing I know something that you don't know I know something it might be nothing I know something that you don't know I know something it might be nothing I know something that you don't know Taking a lifetime, taking a lifetime, taking a lifetime, I'm long in the tooth. Ah, yeah. Ah, I know something. You don't know I know something It might be nothing I know something That you don't know Ah. Ah. Oh yeah Modern English Who are playing At Hawks and Reed In Greenfield on Saturday, Robbie Gray, Mick Conroy, Gabriel Sullivan, and Rick Chandler. We're you, gonna. You're gonna give them a modern English quiz in yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I want to do that. It'll be very, very brief, and then we're gonna hear the song that's been played over seven million times on the radio. <laughs> we'll get that number right eventually. Yeah, you're listening to live music Thursday on the Fabulous Four One Three here on NEPM. Welcome back to the Fabulous 413. I'm Felice Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. And we are in the studio with Modern English right now. Modern English. We're playing at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield this Saturday. I'm so Saturday. glad you used this as one of the beds. This is yeah, one of my favorites. It's a great one. <laughs> Robbie Gray, Mick Conroy, Gabriel Sullivan, and Rick Chandler. And uh, Modern English is the name of the group. And we have an editor from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, which is based here in Springfield, on the show every week. And what they do is chronicle modern use of the English language. They call balls and strikes. They're not trying to say this is proper and this is improper. They just want to chronicle how the language is being used. So I thought I would give you the band, Modern English, a Modern English quiz, where I will tell you some New England slang, and you have to tell me whether you think you know what it means. And then we'll do one for you. I love it. Yes. <laughs> yes. What do you think? <laughs> what, what, is, what is a frap? A frap. A frap. No idea. A frap. Any, anyone in the band have an idea no, what a frap no, is? No, no, no. Hitting something. 
Rick Chandler on drums thinks it might have to do with hitting something. He is a drummer, so you really can't blame him for that. Uh, something to do with a, a doorway. Not a doorway. A drink. It is a it drink. Is a drink. Oh, okay. It's a drink. Yeah. It's a drink that people in most of the country and the world call a milkshake, oh. which has ice cream and okay. milk in it. Frappuccino. But Frappuccino. yes, there we go. Yeah. And that's where we hear it. But go. in New England, a frap is the one that has ice cream. A milkshake has no ice cream. It's just blended yeah, milk. Uh, just well, like an egg cream. Yeah, which is oh. bizarre. Yeah. What is a blinka? A blinker. As yeah. in blinking eyes. It, nope, not it's it. Gotta be it's an indicator right on your car. There we well, go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> on a Gabriel on Sullivan on guitar is guess, correctly guesses it is the turn signals on a car. Yeah, the blinker. Oh, blinkers. Yeah, yeah. Same in England. We get, oh, no, really? Well, oh, oh, actually, we call it an indicator. I like uh, that. What about... An indicator of where you're going. Yeah. Yes. What about a bubbler? Bubbler? bubbler. That sounds Jewish. <laughs> oh, no. That's bubbler. Bubbler. <laughs> 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 Where are you going with this? It's a water fountain. That's what we call uh, in New England a yeah. water fountain that you drink of. Right. Oh, see, this Rick Chandler, the drummer, is like. Nice. Let, let's give one to you. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, if I was to say you're going up the apples and pears, what would you say? Going up the stairs. Well hey. Hey. What about What about trouble and strife? That's got you, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know that one. <laughs> wife. Uh, <laughs> wife was what first jumped to my mind, but I don't. If my wife yeah. is listening, no, I didn't no, want to no. say that. <laughs> Well, let's hear the song that I had mentioned before. You've won a Lifetime Achievement Award. It is one of the top 500 songs ever played on U.S. radio. Seven million plays of the song. This band playing at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield on Sunday. Modern English. This is I Melt With You. Making love to you was never second best I saw the world crashing all around your face Never really knowing it was always mesh and lace I'll stop the world and melt with you You've seen the difference and it's getting better all the time The kind which never hates Trapped in a state of imaginary grace I made a pilgrimage to save this human's race Never comprehending the race at long gone
futures open wide I'll stop the world and melts with you I've seen some changes but it's getting better all the time There's nothing you and I won't do I'll stop the world and melt with you The future's Stop the world and melts with you You've seen the difference And it's getting better all the time There's nothing you and I won't do I'll stop the world and melts with you I'll stop the world and melts with you Stop the world in males with you. seven million times on the radio but I still never get sick of it I love it yep. modern English melt with you that's how you know you have a hit song Robbie Gray <laughs> Mick Conroy Gabriel Sullivan Rick Chandler they're playing Friday at the space ballroom in Hampton Connecticut Saturday night at Hawks and Reed in Greenfield and Sunday in Boston where they'll be enjoying fried clams yes fried clams are the yeah, delicacy definitely. of Essex your uh, original hometown <laughs> A uh, big thank you to Mill River Music in Northampton who loaned the guitars yeah, uh, that the band has been yeah, using yeah. today. They're moving yeah. to a new space and crowdfunding for it, so you can look into that. <laughs> thank you all so much for coming to play on the Fabulous 413 today. That was good fun. Very good fun. On the way, the folks from CESA on Climate Change and Farming Week, which begins this weekend. And up next, Congressman McGovern on climate change's impact on the city of Lemonster in his district and on all the surrounding Hunter Bidens. You're listening to the Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Back in D.C.? I am. Yep. And the fun begins. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> Time for our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, Worcester's own Congressman Jim McGovern, in a segment we like to call McGoverning with McGovern. You can send your questions for the Congressman at thefab413 at nepm.org, or you can text them at 800-639-9120, and we'll talk a little bit about the fun that Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, has already brought this first week back in session, but your district 
just outside the 413. Lemonster has been in the news quite a bit this week because of the intense flooding and infrastructure damage of roads because of it. Governor Healy issued a state of emergency for Worcester County and mobilized uh, the Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency, the Department of Conservation and Rec, the MBTA, the Mass Department of Transportation. The footage of those road collapses was shocking. What has your office been up to in the aftermath of what amounts to another local environmental disaster? Well, we've obviously been in close touch with the governor and with uh, local officials in Lemonster, and it is a terrible ordeal that the people of Lemonster are going through. Uh, as a result of this climate-fueled storm event, uh, and um, and uh, we've also I've been I've had a conversation with the regional administrator of FEMA and been in close contact also with people at MEMA, which is a state emergency response agency. It's my understanding that the state has provided the information to the federal government that Lemonster meets the threshold in terms of the damage for FEMA to kick in, and so we have been pressing FEMA to respond ASAP to make sure that all the support and the aid that they can provide uh, is done urgently and immediately. You know, that's where our focus is right now, making sure that the aid gets there. And we have to, you know, find ways to make sure that there's federal and state money going to repair and reinforce infrastructure. You know, these events, I mean, we had one out in Western Massachusetts that impacted a lot of our farms. These are not normal, but they're happening more and more frequently. And I, it is all directly tied to to climate change. And so when people continue to stick their head in the sand and say, oh, that's not what it is. I mean, I want to know what planet they're living on, but uh, we need to make sure the funding is there for emergency, immediate response. But we need to start rethinking some of our federal programs in the long term in terms of how we can provide more support to reinforce infrastructure so that when these things happen in the future, the damage isn't as intense. And perhaps redefine what infrastructure means. We've talked about this a number of times since the July 10th floods in particular, but you know, just yesterday in the Greenfield Recorder, the Conway Select Board has penned a letter to the Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency in response to the decision not to pursue a federal disaster declaration. They'll send that letter to Representative Natalie Blay and Senator Paul Mark, as well as to the MEMA director. Does it strike you as ironic that MEMA has sprung into action to request FEMA federal money for this Lemonster because so many kind of urban roads were washed out. Meanwhile, Conway, a a very much rural community, is not getting that same sort of treatment, nor are the farmers who may not have roads and infrastructure proper, but provide a food infrastructure for a large part of the state. Well, you know, we've had this conversation before. We do need to kind of redefine what infrastructure means. And because our programs are at the state and federal level, are not as flexible as we would all like at this moment. Uh, We need to look as to how we can change them. In the meantime, I mean, that's what this whole Farm Resiliency Fund was about. And Natalie Blay and and the others in the delegation have been very, very helpful, Joe Cumberford, in in, in supporting that that effort. We're trying to work around some of the restrictions that people feel are in place right now. The other thing is the state is, you know, providing additional funds to help our farmers. And we're, you know, if we can ever get a process completed here in the house. We're hoping for some more emergency funds designated to help some of our rural areas because of those storms to be part of the package. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, because of climate change, we need to think differently. Uh, It can't be the same old, same old approach to everything. Uh, And even in terms of what we prioritize in terms of infrastructure and our infrastructure bills. I mean, we, we, we need to build in capacity in communities to be able to withstand some of these storms. So, uh, but I know the, uh, 
state legislative delegation, um, you know, is working very, very hard and they all get it. And Natalie Blade, Paul Mark and Lindsay and Joe Cummer, all these people get it. They're, they're great. Dan Carey, you know, we're, we're trying to respond to the urgent need and then also looking to the long term. And if you missed it, uh, the, we had a fundraiser earlier this week that we were a part of for the Farm Resiliency Fund. And because of listeners like you and a coordinated effort with other radio stations and the business community, an additional $27,000 plus went into that fund uh, this week, which is great. Uh, back to... It is, it is great. Yeah. You know what? It, it is inspiring, right? You know, people are coming together, you know, members of the community, many of them not farmers, who say, you know what, we value them. And, uh, you know, we want to we want to help. And whether it's five bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever, people are coming forward and millions of dollars have been raised. And a lot of farmers have already received checks. And, you know, we want to continue to build on that fund. So thank you to you and the station and to everybody who contributed. I had mentioned the new fund that you're having in the House of Representatives now that it's reconvened and under pressure to avoid a government shutdown, it seems. Republican Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, has agreed to launch an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden and some of the dealings that his son might have had. Uh, He changed his mind from when Nancy Pelosi, without a vote of the full House, decided to go forward and launch an impeachment inquiry into Trump's dealings with Ukraine. It seems like, at least for now, impeachments are going to be a weapon of the House no matter who is president. Are there regrets being expressed in your party now for kind of opening this Pandora's box for the Speaker Pelosi to not go before the full House for a vote to launch this we, impeachment inquiry? We did go before. I mean, we did go before the full House and, and have a vote uh, uh, on, the, on the first impeachment. I mean, But on the know, inquiry, but, to open the inquiry, I think that's the, the right. sticking point here. Look, I mean, the deal is they have been, they've had an inquiry going since they took over the the chamber, the investigations into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and everything else Biden related, that's not new. It's been going on for a long time. You vote for a formal procedure uh, to go further, you know, if you have evidence. And on Ukraine, there was evidence. And so we went forward. Look, impeachment is a serious matter. It's not a political weapon. And I'm sorry that that's inconvenient for the people on the right to hear, but there was a lot of there there with Donald Trump. And there was there there when they launched an impeachment inquiry against Richard Nixon. The point of the matter is, is that this is serious stuff. And we know what's happening right now. We know that Donald Trump is coordinating this with the Freedom Caucus and people like Marjorie Taylor Greene. There's been lots of reporting on, on, on those conversations. What he's saying to people is impeach him no matter what. Impeach him because you don't like the way he looks. Who cares? Because if you do that, then I can make the case that my two impeachments didn't matter. They were just part of politics. Mitt Romney, who has announced that he is not going to run for re-election, you know, a Republican, I mean, he voted uh, to impeach Donald Trump on the second one. So this was not just a Democratic impeachment effort. I mean, Republicans voted for impeaching the president as well. So, you know, know, it's serious business. And if you have committed crimes, if you you have, uh, have done things that reach the level of impeachment, then it is appropriate to go forward. I guess what is frustrating about what Kevin McCarthy is doing is one is he said, I'm not going to do anything more until I get a vote. So that's why there's a lot of focus on that. And he doesn't have the votes in the Republican House to do it. So he's doing it this way. This this is a distraction. And you know what? What Kevin McCarthy should be focused on right now is keeping the government 
running and not having a government shutdown. But isn't isn't um, but part it, of the reason why he agreed to do this because to avoid a government shutdown? Is he getting such pressure from the right to do a thing like this that yeah. to, to the Democrats yeah, he, and to it, others does seem like a, a political maneuver more than an actual inquiry into real wrongdoing? Yeah, he gave away all of his power, gave away all of his ability to be a speaker in order to be able to hold the office. You're right. So, I mean, you know, one of the requirements so that the right wing won't oust him as speaker was you need to impeach Biden. So check, he did that. Now, the headlines today are that that's not enough. I mean, because they, they're not, that's just one of the many things that they're demanding from him. The other thing is massive cut in spending on programs to help people, mostly poor people um, and middle income families. They want severe drastic draconian cuts and all of the appropriation bills and they want to see the numbers up front before they vote for any single appropriation bill before they vote to you know for a, a short-term continuing resolution and if they don't see them they're going to move to impeach them and then there are apparently about five other things some of them we don't even know what they are because they were promised in secret so they're blackmailing him but he is so enamored i guess with the trappings of the office maybe the the, the car and the in the, in the, uh, you do get a balcony. You get a speaker's balcony in the House of Representatives. That's pretty nice. It's a good view. Right. right. I mean, so I guess that's more important to him than the American people and what's good for this country. But these guys, I mean, it, it, it's a small fraction of this House, maybe 25% of the Republican Party. Maybe maybe 25% of the American people think the way these Freedom Caucus people do. But they are calling all the shots. Marjorie Taylor Greene is the Speaker of the House right now. I mean, think about Let that sink in for a, a minute. At least it's and not Lauren so Boebert who's busy vaping at a Beetlejuice the musical uh, event. Did you get that story? Yeah, I did. I, I saw that story. Uh, and That uh, might be the yeah, – I don't a, think it's was, nice to smoke in, a, indoors, but it might, uh, go. the fact that she could well, sing along to Beetlejuice the musical might be the thing I like most that I've ever heard about Lauren yeah. Boebert. Apparently she was offended that a woman who was sitting behind her who happened to be pregnant said, please don't smoke because I'm pregnant. And she had a meltdown over that. And so then she was escorted. Did I lose you? Uh-oh. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, now I hear you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. I can I can hear you, but uh, you couldn't hear me. I don't know why. Oh, I don't anyway. know. It's Lauren Lauren um, Bobert and uh, the the right wing have. It's a vast right wing conspiracy to interrupt our phone call in the middle of that Beetlejuice conversation. We shouldn't have said his name three times. That's what it comes down to. Bug? No. Ants? Close, but no. Beetle? Yes. Beetlejuice. Wow, I'm impressed. And all you gotta do is say my name three times. Three times in a row. It must be spoken unbroken. But politics has obviously always been bonkers, but feels particularly bonkers. Right now, all that being said, there has been a lot of traction since Biden ran for president with Hunter Biden and some of his dealings. Is Hunter Biden too big a liability for President Biden going into his reelection campaign over the course of the next year? And if so, what can the Democratic Party or should the Democratic Party do about it? Look, Hunter Biden's situation is going to resolve itself through the legal process. But Hunter Biden's not running for president. Donald Trump's kids aren't running for president. I mean, really? I mean, you know, that's the focus. The focus ought to be on on issues that matter in this country, like climate change, you know, like good wages, like continuing to push inflation down, like good jobs that pay decent wages, helping kids afford a decent education, making sure people can retire, you know, with a sense of security. All those things matter. And I, I, we, we cannot allow the fringe to distract us from what really 
matters in people's lives. And that's the challenge here. I mean, with all the crazy platforms that are out there, it's easy to get distracted and to look away from what, what really is important. That's what they want you to do. They don't want you to focus on real things. And so you, we can talk about Hunter Biden, Biden all we want. We can, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen to him. You know, he's had a difficult, troubled life, you know, and he's going to pay a price. There's legal proceedings against him. But that's, that's, that's him. So let, let, let's focus on, on what is important. I mean, think about what could happen if the Republicans get more seats in the Senate or in the House or if Donald Trump becomes president again. Women's reproductive freedoms are already uh, being taken away under severe attack. I mean, these people want to want to make abortion illegal everywhere in this country. Look at, look at the attacks against the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, think about what could happen. So enough of the distractions let's focus on what matters and you know and 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 move forward but whether this is this impeachment or whatever they're going to do what they're going to do we can't do anything about kevin mccarthy and the fact that he doesn't have a spine i mean maybe he can go to you know a doctor and get one surgically implanted and, and maybe stand up to the fringe but the bottom line is we have to focus on what matters to the american people and in the short term it means not shut this government down one thing that matters to the American people in your district and in the greater New England area are the New England Patriots. And I saw that you were hanging out with former New England Patriots tight end who redefined that position in the game of professional football, Rob Gronkowski. Gronk, what were you doing hanging out with Gronk, Congressman Jim McGovern? Well, we were at an event, um, you know, talking about the importance of medical research. And I coach at a cystic fibrosis caucus. And uh, anyway, he was there for that. And we had a good, you know, we had a, we had a, a nice conversation. I told him that, you know, I obviously admired him, but didn't really approve of how he ended his career. Um, could have <laughs> used either. him on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, could have used him on Sunday. But he was in incredibly nice, and and I really, you know, it was really nice. I ne I'd never met him before in person, and so it was uh, it was a it was a fun fun experience. It was an event called the Valley Fever Task Force. What is that? Does it have to do with our valley, yeah. or is it another valley? No, no, it's another valley, oh, okay. out, you know, out in, um, yeah, so, but it, but it, but it's, it, but the whole focus was on the importance of investing um, in medical research to find cures for a number of uh, diseases that are, you know, plaguing so many people in this country and around the world. And so it was a, it was a, it was an event that uh, was very inspiring and uplifting and, uh, and Democrats and Republicans were there. That's a rarity now. Yeah, that's uh, one thing we so, can all, one thing Democrats and Republicans can agree on, Gronk. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but it, was, it was fun. U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts, Congressman Jim McGovern joins us every week. McGoverning with McGovern, send us a question and I'll ask it on your behalf, thefab413 at nepm.org, or you can text your questions 800-639-9120. Thanks as always, Congressman. All the best. Be safe. Folks from CESA on Climate Change and Farming Week, which begins this weekend. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM. Time for Local Hero Spotlight with Jacob Nelson, who is the communications coordinator from CESA, community involved in sustaining agriculture. And rather than talk to a farmer like we do so frequently, we had a lot of farmers on this week, though, already. And we have heard from those farmers about the disasters that they have experienced this year. And we also heard from the governor's office and from the United Way of Western Mass and from the Community Foundation about what the community is doing to help support those farmers 
through the disasters that they experienced environmentally this year, which included the loss of peaches early on. It included a late spring frost that killed so many apples and, of course, the huge floods that came in the middle of July. It looks like this may not be the only year that our farmers are going to be dealing with this. So CISA is being proactive in regards to what we're going to do. And this coming week, starting Sunday, going all the way through next Saturday, the 23rd, is the Climate Change and Farming Week scheduled by CISA with a bunch of conferences and discussions about how we can navigate through this uh, as farmers and as an agricultural-based community. And also joining us from CISA is their climate coordinator, Stephen Toronto, like the Canadian city, (laughs) but more with an Italian flair. (laughs) (laughs) Toronto. Sounds good. This is in coordination with other events going on across the country and the globe, right? That's right. Over the last couple of decades, uh, the United Nations has met every September in New York to look at certain aspects of climate change and international agreements. And what has cropped up around that time unintended for a farming related look at this thing. Yeah. uh, Are sort of action events all over the world that take place at the same time. So that while we're getting this one perspective from an international body, we're also hearing from the grassroots. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so CISA wanted to jump on to that uh, movement. And so we've put together a week of events that are going to allow folks to get actu- actually get out on farms and uh, visit with farmers, talk with farmers, and see what's going on for them. Some of the farms that are represented are Simple Gifts Farm in Amherst, Warner Farm in Sunderland, where we did our Mike's Maze uh, conversation uh, a little bit earlier this week, Reed Farm in Sunderland, out in the Berkshires at the Berkshire Botanical Gardens in Stockbridge, which is another place we visited, which has been great. Nuestras Raices in Holyoke, and then Wheelview Farm in Shelburne Falls, amongst others. Who came up with these particular topics? And let's talk about a few of them. Well, our approach at CISA for this has been to create a container more than organize all of the events that are taking place. Mm-hmm. We wanted to create uh, an opportunity for farmers to share the kinds of solutions that they are putting into practice on their farms so that we can all keep eating local food mm-hmm. uh, and they can keep doing what they love to do. So we actually put a call out to all of our membership and we invited farms and some of the organizations that we work with to propose events and we offered to do promotion. We offered to help them figure out how to structure an event, you got to think of a lot of things when you invite people onto a farm. Uh, so we gave some support, but more than anything, we want this to be an event that grows by itself. Farms have come to us and said, hey, I'd like to get people out to see how I use rotational grazing for my cattle, and the beef that I sell comes off of uh, fields that have been managed in ways that actually help the environment and might just help us combat some of the impacts of climate change that they're all feeling every day on the farms in the valley. I know that one of the conferences happening this coming Tuesday, the 19th, is about uh, no-till practices, and that's with Simple Gifts Farm in Amherst. I think that's something that's becoming more widely known. Mm -hmm. But for those who aren't familiar with no-till, why is it important in regards specifically to climate change as Climate Change and Farming Week begins this coming Sunday? Yeah, no-till is definitely a really important practice. It can be a little confusing, the, the notion that You know, you could grow food without ever working the soil and breaking up the soil to plant the seeds or the seedlings in it. But that's not so much the idea. The idea is that if we till or move the soil too much, there's all kinds of 
negative impacts from that. Erosion can be one of them. And we're also breaking up this magnificent ecosystem that exists in the soil and that allows the food that we eat to actually grow and thrive. And so no-till practices might be better referred to sometimes as reduced till. And the idea is that you just want to work the soil less and less or as little as possible and allow organic matter and worms and microorganisms to flourish because that's what our food needs to grow well. Some carbon sequestration remains when the, the soil is not turned over in that way. Is that true? Exactly. Organic matter stays in the soil. And of course, rather than being released as a gas or gases, which can happen when it's broken up, it stays in the soil. That's Stephen Toronto, who's the Climate Program Coordinator for CESA. Climate Change and Farming Week begins this Sunday with a series of panels from various farms uh, throughout the valley. And we're also joined by Jacob Nelson, who's the Communications Coordinator for CESA. One reason that Climate Change and Farming Week is so exciting is because we get to open up some of the work and the conversations that Stephen and others at CESA are having with farmers about, you know, hopefully proactively, how do we look forward and grow food for a warming planet and a changing planet? And these are representative of a lot of conversations that are happening sort of, quote unquote, behind the scenes for the general public as Stephen and others are providing technical assistance to farms to learn how to grow food in different ways. Because a lot of this is is very technical, whether whether they're entirely new farming practices or or whether they're sort of mimicking ways that people have grown food for millennia on on Earth. But some of that knowledge has been lost or, or put by the wayside in different cultures. It's sort of all hands on deck to figure out what does farming for the future look like? At least half of your job, Stephen, right, is working directly with farmers to to figure out how do we do things differently, both for a climate mitigation, if that's tilling our soil a little bit less so it's able to hold carbon, that's great. But also considering all of all of the impacts that we're already seeing this year and as you listed at the beginning, Monty, and we've sort of gone in the last three years from terribly wet to terribly dry to terribly wet again. There's a lot of need for adapting to manage some of the risk that is increasing for people growing food in our region and, and, and around the globe. So there's a lot of work to be done to support farmers in, in managing that risk. In fact, one of the farms that is hosting an event uh, during Climate Change and Farming Week, Reed Farm, some of our listeners or your listeners might... Uh, They're yours too today. <laughs> some of our listeners, thank you, uh, may be familiar with the different poultry products that they produce and sell in our area. They're out of Sunderland. Yeah, they're in Sunderland. And they're hosting an event to look at a new composting enterprise that they're building up on the farm. And they were able to do this with one of CESA's adaptation grants. We have a really nice grants program that farmers can apply to and get some financial and technical assistance support addressing a climate adaptation problem or issue or idea that they have. And in the case of Reed Farm, their problem was waste. Food waste is something that contributes a large percentage of the greenhouse gas emissions that is causing global warming. And so reducing food waste is a really important piece of this puzzle. And so Reed Farm produced bedding and chicken waste from their processing. And they, uh, with an adaptation grant from CESA, they were able to go to the main compost school and learn how they could turn all of that waste into an enterprise where they could produce compost, use it on their farm, and sell it to uh, other farms that need this really rich source, this organic source of fertilizer for their farms. 
literally turning poop into gold. Exactly. I think yeah. it's, it's something that I've wished for for a long time. <laughs> and thanks to this innovation of farmers and assistance from organizations like CESA Community Involved in Sustaining Agriculture, it's becoming a reality. Yeah. A lot of these things that are happening during climate change and farming week seem like they are specifically geared towards farmers. But if you're somebody who's listening who's not a farmer but cares deeply about farming, about agriculture, about the climate, what are some of the events happening next week that would be more geared to the public? Jacob Nelson. Our kickoff event this Sunday the 17th at noon, running from noon to 2.30 at the Church of St. James and Andrew in Greenfield is an event called Local Farming in the Climate Crisis, and it's a panel and action circle. So we'll be joined by Sarah Voiland from Red Fire Farm, as well as David Fisher from Natural Roots Farm, both up there in Franklin County, to share some of their experiences over the past handful of years dealing with the impacts of climate change. It's an interesting view into what they're seeing with these challenges, because farmers are on the front lines of a lot of these impacts landing in our backyard. Um, And that will transition into an action circle and discussion of different ways that folks can get involved in climate action locally, regionally, and nationally, um, and hopefully build a little bit of energy and momentum and just get people connected to new ideas and new people that they can organize with locally here. And that's Sunday at noon at the Church of St. James at Andrew in Greenfield. I don't know why they had to fight over which saint it was going to get the church (laughs) name, but it's both James and Andrew in Greenfield. I see that as also, you know, if you're not a farmer, but you're, you care about these sort of things, I've talked for many weeks and will continue to talk to Congressman Jim McGovern about the farm bill. There's a farm bill and climate-friendly farm letter writing campaign and info session happening on Friday at the UMass Student Farmers Market. And then if you are just have a yard where you're planting things, there's a native plant sale. And, you know, we've learned over the years about the importance of native plants when it comes to pollinators and the pollinators in regards to how keeping a healthy ecosystem So they're at the Hadley Library in Hadley. Next Saturday, the 23rd, there's a native plant sale. So there's no shortage of events for people who aren't farmers, but who care about the environment, who care about local agriculture to learn or to participate in these kind of discussions. Yeah. You know, thankfully, there's been such great response that you've been covering on this show, Monty, too, to some of the the climate change fueled disasters in the past year that have created these tools to help farms deal with the risk of farming in an age of climate change. I get to have a lot of conversations with farmers. They call me. They say, you're not going to believe this. This happened to me. I can't believe I'm watching my fields get flooded Mm -hmm. in front of my very eyes. And so this is an example, I think, of what I would call uh, the solidarity economy that I think CISA is really trying to, pun intended, cultivate here in Mm -hmm. the valley. Farmers need to feel that we've got their backs because what they're doing is really hard and climate change is making it a lot harder. And so things like the Emergency Farm Fund, like Climate Change and Farming Week, like other opportunities to get out and learn more about where your food comes from, there are all ways that we're trying to support farmers as they uh, figure out how to keep doing what they love to do while they're getting sideswiped <laughs> literally every month by yeah. some new event. That's Stephen Toronto, who is the Climate Program Coordinator for CESA Community Involved in Sustaining Agriculture. Climate Change and Farming Week begins this Sunday, noon, that local farming in the Climate Crisis Panel and Action Circle in Greenfield at the Church of St. James and Andrew, and then other events going throughout the course of the rest of the week. We're also joined by Jacob Nelson, the Communications Coordinator from CESA. You can find out about Climate Change and Farming Week, which begins this Sunday by checking out all of the events at buylocalfood.org. Thank you both so much. Thank you, Bonte. Thank you. I mean, I also feel like we've been getting a crash course in climate change this year. 
with all of the flooding and the frost. Yeah, we and already go into heat wave. we go into that climate change in Farming Action Week uh, with credits. Yes, yeah. yes, all of us. They get to transfer because ugh, sheesh. Farming, <laughs> sheesh, as Russell Brain from Park Hill Orchard said Monday on the show. It was pretty accurate. Yes. I think. Yes. Friday. Whoa, are we? I'm going into Friday. I was going to mention some things that were happening this weekend, but no, we'll just tell you what's up on the show tomorrow. Friday on the Fabulous 413, the Wine Thunderdome is finding a home in Franklin County. Finally. Finally. Leverett, to be exact. And if you're wondering where you drink in Leverett, it would be the only store in town. Yeah, you heard that right, the only store in town. And we'll get a preview of the Mill Pond series with San Salvador for Live Music Friday. Plus a glimpse of the Wit Festival coming to the Berkshires next week with Lynn Bolger of the Authors Guild. And you can check that out on your own, too. There's some workshops that still have space. And Rita Dove is one of them, and she'll be our guest next week on the show. Indeed! Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra, the Jay Giles Band, Suitcase Junket, and Modern English our guests from today who are playing Hawks and Reed on Saturday. They were absolutely delightful. It was an honor to have them in here. Scotty, they did sign your guitar. Yes, we borrowed a guitar and got it signed. <laughs> our director is Tony Lemon and Honey Dunn. Our engineers are Betsy, you missed a l- big one, Langdo. Phil, you missed it too, Bishop. Kara laughing by the wayside. Foster, Bart, thank you so much for making this all happen, Rankin. And punk rude boy, Sharp Cheddar Dubay. Th- special thanks to John Sutton and Aaron O'Neill for their help today. It was really, really useful. Indeed. I'm Monty Belmonte. And I am Khalees Smith. We will see you tomorrow on the Fabulous 413.